Welcome to Take a Moment. I'm Nathan Bennett. I'm Mari Yamaguchi. And today's episode, we talk about the exciting world of AI ethics. Our guests are incredible today. We have Jean Etienne Goubet uh, at Genesis. He is a senior analyst in the product management department and focusing on artificial intelligence. And we also have Joe Shufo, Director, Product Marketing for Artificial Intelligence. Both very well-spoken gentlemen and really experts here um, on AI and, and AI ethics. We had a great conversation learning more, um, really dispelling some of those rumors, myths. those myths that we hear often about, oh, bots are going to take over my job or bots are going to take over the world, Skynet. Right, exactly. <laughs> and before you, you say, okay, wait. Artificial intelligence isn't really my cup of tea. It doesn't really impact my life. Um, I'm not really interested in listening to this episode. Before you turn away from this episode, let me encourage you just to take a moment and give it a listen because you may not be aware of how much AI is impacting your everyday life today and what the implications for your life through AI are for the future. Right. I think we made a couple of great examples where everything from our streaming services, whether it's music or radio or and television choices that we make. Uh, to self-driven cars. Yes. Yeah. It's all AI. And it's uh, if you think it's not coming to you, it <laughs> is coming to you. And you will be implementing it more and more and more in the future. Right. This, uh, this episode, we really talk about what are the ethics behind that? What should we be aware of? What should we uh, be wary of as well? And they also talk about the responsibility of companies as well, too, because it is a big, heavy um, topic and, and new. So there are going to be some guidelines and don't necessarily want to call them rules, but really tenants that these organizations and companies need to start thinking about and having conversations about. Absolutely. Um, Mari and I went into this conversation not knowing so much about artificial intelligence, but uh, our guests were very well informed and very plain spoken. They made complex things really, really interesting and easy to consume. So it's going to be a great episode. We know you will enjoy it. So take a moment with us. John Etienne, let's start with you. Tell us where you work, what your position is, um, and kind of how you got to where you are as somebody who is an expert on AI and AI ethics. Thanks for calling me that. Yes, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So my name is Jean Etienne Goubet. I'm uh, I'm working the product management team in the AI group. Uh, been at Genesis for three years. I joined the business operations team three years ago. Uh, that was after spending a year at the French consulate uh, in San Francisco, studying various questions on economics of innovation, which that's what I studied in France. Um, so that's I think that's what brought me here and again. That brings and you here. Like yeah, that's awesome. And Joe. Joe. Yeah. So welcome. Uh, yeah, Joe Shufo. I'm a product marketing director uh, for the AI group at Genesis. At Genesis. And what I really focus on is, I would say, bots in general, and that surfaces up in a few ways. So chatbots, the things that you're talking to on websites, phones, and, and what we call voice bots now. So if you've used a home assistant with Google or maybe even Siri, or if you've called in and you get an IVR where it's asking you questions. So when I say IVR, that's reaching out to a company and there's a voice on that phone that isn't human, right? It has the ability 
to have a conversation with you. Is that why they sometimes ask, you can speak to me in full sentences and I'll yes. understand, right? Yeah, and you bring up such a great point. Uh, even before we get started, right, the idea <laughs> of having to prompt someone that it's okay now. It's not just bark one thing at me and I'll make right. it work. Yeah. Representative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so that's where I'm working at right now, focusing on that and predictive technologies. So the idea, if you think about going to a store and let's say a hardware store, you are greeted by someone who is annoying, right? They're following you around. You go, go away. And then you actually need something and you can't find that same person. So predictive technologies is, is kind of avoiding that situation on the web, knowing when to engage, knowing why to engage, and then taking that information to how we have conversations with you, keeping it all in context. I started as a support engineer here at Genesis. My job was on the data services and reporting team. My job really was to play, I joke it was like Dr. House, but for computer software. So uh, it wasn't sarcoidosis. It was actually figuring out what was wrong with databases. And it was a really good job. I had a great boss, moved into more cloud technologies here. And that got me really interested in chatbots and how we interact with them and how people interact with them. So that's what actually brought me out in San Francisco as well. Here I am today. You brought up a number of uh, things in your just little intro that I would love to touch on. Primarily is for those of us out there who may not be as familiar with the role that AI currently plays in our day-to-day -day lives, um, what are some areas that AI is present and um, kind of working behind the scenes now in either uh, video streaming services or any other sort of technology-based service or subscription that we might use on a day-to-day -day basis and we don't even know that, that it's really AI? Right. What are some of those things you you mentioned? Um, I don't know a couple of things in your in your intro. Like and the I'm hardware store. The hardware yeah. store. And I'm wondering if you could sort of expound on those things to say to have the light bulb go off in our listeners' head to go, oh, that's AI. Yeah. So a few of the things that you know come to my mind, and I think that's you know everyone's gonna recognize themselves in those examples is really when you talk about music or movies. If you go on Netflix, for instance. Netflix is the best at predicting what you're going to like or not like. And these are the things typically that, you know, we face in our everyday life, right? We don't even notice it, but the thing that's, if, if, if you look at Google, for instance, if you search something, basically what happens is going to be kind of a prediction of what you think is going to be most interesting for you. So that's the most example, the best example that you can find in everyday life. Netflix, Spotify, every search engine in the world, uh, if you look them, Basically, that's the first thing. What we do with bots, I think, is really the same. Uh, when we have a conversation with someone, we try to you know, bring you back the best answer that we think, or the AI thinks at least, is the best, the best answer possible. So I think a few of those examples are best. We can look at healthcare. Uh, I think I said search, uh, music, movies, uh, everyday mobile phone advertising is where you have good data. Uh, basically, a good example of things we can look at. And so how does that, the AI get so smart to know ooh. that? I'm like getting a, a little big, bit yeah, <laughs> deep there. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I, and so John at the end covered so many topics, but uh, a lot of the things here is is surfacing that information, making it better, training on what's better. And a couple good examples, Netflix, Spotify, you are the reason why it's getting so smart. Every time you interact with it, you're giving it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You're basically saying, this is me, this is not me. And that's what we call training. It's a really big piece into making a not only work at scale, but understand who you are and what you like. That's an interesting point is that it is learning us because we're essentially teaching 
AI about us and what our likes and dislikes are. So the other side of that, that may not be as comfortable for some people to grapple with, is that sort of mysterious, how did Siri know that? Or how did Amazon It's the gathering of your data, right? Like that, where you're kind of in that gray line of privacy versus what's Mm -hmm. mine, what's not mine. My wife and I will have a conversation about a thing. Let's say it's a sofa. And we'll be like, hey, we should look into buying a sofa, blah, blah, blah. And then we get ding, ding, ding on our phones for the next couple days from different vendors. Like when you're scrolling through Instagram or whatever and it pops up an ad. And all of these ads are popping up for new sofas. That is creepy. (laughs) So what's behind that and why is that helpful to us? So one thing to note first, AI and like the statistics beyond AI is definitely not new. Um, there's not, there's been some breakthrough recently, obviously, uh, but the game changer was really the capabilities of computers to gather that data and deal and calculate the, the huge amount of data that we have in everyday life. We use smartphones every day. We use computers more and more, uh, and that we click on things every day, and that gather huge amount of data that now today we are able to deal with, and we couldn't do that a few years ago, a few decades ago. So now we have a way of processing all the information. Exactly. That. Yeah. And that's a huge piece, right? Prediction or the ability to use these AI tools are now available at scale. It's not just one company that has a giant data center, but every company that wants to take advantage of it. I think that's why we're seeing it so much more now, because these little mom and pop shops can take advantage of it in the way they're advertising to you. And really just the way they curate the product selection they even provide is based off of that. And then... To your question, Nate, uh, behind the scene, there's even more happening. If you take one Twitter, one tweet, for instance, on Twitter, that is 40 meta, meta, uh, metadata points. So who you are, where you are, who you're talking to, what you're talking about. Oh, wow. uh, and that's a huge amount of data in just one tweet, for instance. So imagine what voice, bots, conversation can have when you talk about predictions, information gathering, um, but also you know what it can bring into the best product we can bring to the people, the best experience to make personalized, personalized experience we can have. Uh, that brings a lot of good stuff to our industry specifically. So you're talking about all this data and we're gathering all this data. But with that comes a lot of responsibility and yeah. how we use it. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about that whole side of the AI ethics and how that has come about. Well, I think some of the fear people have, if you go back to this old Target story, so a father got a Target advertisement about maternity ads, all of these things around being pregnant. His daughter was 16 years old. He actually wrote a nasty letter basically saying, like, why would you send this to me? This makes no sense. Two weeks later, he follows up with an apology. His daughter was pregnant. Target found that out by using machine learning, understanding what was happening here. A really touchy situation. Now, they've changed things since then. You could just change advertisements to not be as on target when you think about that. Not a play on words. But uh, what we realized was your, your, who you are, things that are private about you can be, in a way, telecasted unknowingly. And that's scary, right? You like to think that you can hold some things uh, under the vest there and that it's your own information, your, your own secrets. But you give those away and companies can learn from that and sometimes make a profit from that. And that is a touchy subject. And even what I'm purchasing at Target, I remember buying a specific razor yeah. at Target. I had never searched for this razor before. I didn't even know it existed. I saw it at Target. I thought it looked cool, and I purchased it. When I got home on my Instagram, I got an advertisement for that <laughs> razor. On Facebook, an advertisement for that razor. 
Oh man, really, really strange. And it does kind of give me the little heebie-jeebies from time. Yeah. Even like the clerk at uh, Whole Foods, whenever I scan my little Amazon Prime thing, they're yeah. like, oh, there isn't any deals on any of the stuff that you bought today. I wouldn't scan it if I were you. And I was like, why not? And they're like, because it's going to be gathering all of your preferences and what you like to buy and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Huh. Good to know. Never thought about it that yeah. way. <laughs> we are so on the grid. <laughs> we are. And we can't yeah. even help it just because we're living our lives. Yes. Yeah. In today's technologically driven space. I think that's also a fear, right? That it's unavoidable in a sense. Mm-hmm. That even if you tried your best, there's a way it's going to show up. Right. And now you have all around the world, yeah. EMEA especially. GDPR is big. How does that play into AI and how we're collecting data and how we're keeping it private, et cetera? So today there's a bunch of legislation that came in. Um, Genesis, of course, is good. Uh, it's good with that. We're you know, um, compliant. We've done everything we could and successfully to you know, be GDPR compliant, but also to protect like PII, what we call PII's uh, information about who you are, what, what, what like personal address, uh, these kind of things. Um, we're compliant, and all of our products and the data that we process, whenever engineers or we develop products based on that data, we are actively hiding those pieces and only using the pieces that we need to improve the product. Otherwise, we don't really use it. Uh, and so that's a good, you know, good step towards, you know, protecting the data, protecting the information that's going to be shown to you, because you know you want to show, you only choose the the information that you want to receive as well. Um, and you know, Genesis, I think all of our products now respect and are compliant on, with that. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good step forward. Let's define our terms a little bit. For those of us who are listening and those of us who are talking on the microphone right now, uh, <laughs> who may not be as crystal clear, when we talk about AI ethics specifically, what are we really talking about? Can we define that term? AI ethics, so we started, just to bring a bit of context, we started an initiative a year ago at Genesis uh, around AI ethics uh, because we noticed a few you know, questions that came both on the sales side uh, from customers uh, but also from the engineering side, dealing with the data. Um, the first questions that, are, that came up were around, um, you know, customers. We're trying to sell bots and, you know, things that automate the process and the customer experience. Um, but how does that impact the workers? How does it impact the engines, the world of the contact center? Um, sort of the first question that, you know, came in and we said, well, at Genesis, we need to provide a single answer, a single, you know, um, a single, you know, illustration of what it means, uh, guidelines for that. The second thing that came in were around, you know, more internally around the product. How do we, you know, build the product so that, you know, call center manager cannot abuse of the data of, you know, agents uh, to assess his performance, for instance? Uh, how do we build the best products that are, you know, taking care, let's say, of the data of the agents uh, and puts them forward that doesn't like tricks them and allows give too much power for the manager, for instance? Um, and finally, there's, there were questions around the conversation when, you know, there was all of these demos around Siri uh, and when we partnered with Google, um, all these questions came up is, uh, how do we, you know, build a product and make sure that the, the, the customer, the end user knows that he's talking to a bot or a real person? And all of these case, the questions came all together and we say, well, there's no law to cover it all. 
and that's you know when there's no law to cover it all when it's kind of a questions in between and this is what we call ethical questions should we or should we not and that's what led us to you know create that initiative that committee that Joe and I you know were actively involved and we you know we hope uh, to spread the word and those those topics with you uh, here on the podcast but also on different uh, events going forward yeah what are some of those guidelines or basic tenets within your AI ethics Work. Absolutely. So we, we focused on five. And even before we get into the guidelines, it was so funny when we started them, we thought they would change within like two months. We set them out as just, here's the foundation. We want to start a discussion. And I joke, it was almost like a discussion at a family table where you're all arguing with each other. We thought there would be more pushback on those, those guidelines. There really wasn't. Uh, but we started with five guidelines that we felt were exploratory subjects that could be built on in terms of talking with customers, talking with product, and talking to people just throughout the, the really the industry in general. And when you're saying industry, it's not just contact center, but just anybody who's innovating on AI. Yeah, and there was a, a business consultant here at Genesis that had a really good story about that and the idea that ethics are still in play, whether it's AI or just ethics in general. But when we look at the, the danger here, it's the difference between a musket and a sniper rifle, right? AI ethics is much more powerful and much more accurate now that we have this capability that we never had before. So it starts to transcend these companies, even like Genesis, that may have not been involved in ethical discussion when we get into this type of subject. But now we're pulled right into it. And you're talking about those five principles. What are those? So transparency, um, the, the question I raised, uh, does a person know whether they're talking to a bot or a real person? That's the first one. Um, fairness, uh, this is more a bit more technical, is how does the data that we collect doesn't provide biases uh, in terms of uh, that can affect the prediction. For instance, if you only collect you know, information of uh, what is a good, uh, what is a good uh, deal at the bank, and it's going to look at you know, all of the, the, the deals and the good rates to the people that you know, are, um, I'm losing my words, um, relevant to those deals. And of course, you know, a lot of people that you know, will come from uh, impoverished areas or maybe issues with race uh, will get, you know, bad interest rates. So those are the question, how do we make sure that the data that we collect, you know, does not lead to, you know, imperfect predictions. Third one is accountability. Uh, we want to be sure that all the AI third party that we work with also comply to the same guidelines and the same, um, you know, data rules that we uh, affect to our own products. The first one is data protection. Uh, of course, we want to be legal in every way possible. Um, you know, even uh, take advance in you know all this legislation that are being put forward. Uh, and finally, social benefits. Uh, do the, all the questions around workers, how will uh, automation affect the workers' life uh, in the the better way or in the worse way? Um, one of the examples that you know we we always cite automation is going to reduce uh, the workers' life, the workers' jobs. Sorry. Um, by, um, you know, limiting, reducing the number of jobs. Uh, but there's a bunch of positive way in which it's going to affect the worker's life positively, such as better scheduling and forecasting, um, you know, not over hire and then, you know, having to leave people and leave people on the ground. Uh, so a lot of things, you know, uh, those five guidelines cover. And as Joe said, we expect, you know, a lot of the debates to make those guidelines evolve um, in the future, I guess. When you were talking about fairness, I think it's interesting because it's a tough thing for AI to learn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Stuff for us to learn as humans too, right? As, as humans as well, of course. But the, the thing is, is humans are the ones creating these programs. Humans are the ones creating these codes. So whether we know it or not, our own biases can seep into that AI programming, can they not? I know um, the, I think it was Amazon's AI uh, recruiting, uh, recruiting, recruiting and hiring yeah. showed a bias against women. So actually, I re- Facebook, I think, was the story where they were presenting ads to young white men for Facebook jobs. Mm-hmm. And it just turned out to be that the way they were using this algorithm was it was looking for the best buying space to present these ads. And it happened to be that you can get the cheapest ads to post job postings <laughs> when it was just young white males. Right. <laughs> so in a way, this was biased, right? Just the way that it was presenting the information with the resources it had. Um, I think that's a great point. It's one thing to have prediction capabilities, but you still need judgment there to understand if these predictions are given to me, how do I employ that information? So it's almost like taking the speed and the statistical prowess of AI and then mixing it with human talent and human judgment to That's really awesome. yeah. use AI in a good way, right? Absolutely. Can you talk about how artificial intelligence can really help just your average folks at work get through the minutia of their jobs or the mundane aspects of their jobs? Um, there, I had to deal with, um, speaking to an airline because they had lost my bag. And, uh, when I was on the phone trying to figure out where my bag was in the world, I was speaking exclusively to a bot and it was actually really, really good. So that freed up an agent's time to actually help somebody else who needed a little bit more of a human touch. Now, that is a very cool thing. It worked out well for everybody. However, I think there's a concern that as AI grows and it becomes more powerful and more intuitive, that there are a lot of folks who are saying, oh, man, is this going to take my job away from me? What do you guys say to that? Is AI threatening the workforce of the future? So I really think about two degrees of this, right? And and even when you look at a job, a job itself is a collection of tasks. I do think certain tasks of that job will be impacted. And whether that's bad or good, it will happen. If you look at a bus driver, for example, autonomous vehicles are going to essentially replace a bus driver, but supervision of children is still an extremely important task. And you wouldn't just put your kids on this bus with no adult supervision and just assume they're going to show up at school and figure it out. Uh, Likewise, when I was a support engineer here at Genesis, I spent a lot of time getting off of interactions where I would talk to customers, and I'd have to go do research on my own to find the right article to send them to help them out with their problem. If that could just surface right in front of me automatically based around the conversation we're having and it reduces that time I would have spent there, that's fantastic. I can then spend more time on deeper work, not resetting passwords or going through those low-level things. Uh, So I really do think there is a variance. One other story I saw that I thought was interesting was the London black cabbie drivers, which are considered some of the most knowledgeable people in London. They pass something called the knowledge. And it's this extraordinarily hard test. We have to know every single back road of London, something that takes years to study for. But you can replace that with a cell phone and ways, right? And, and that's really upsetting when you hear that. But we've heard other people say, well, the trust can't be replaced in that if someone lost their passport at their apartment and they were at the airport, Their mom could give that to a London black cabbie driver who's going to get that to the airport as quickly as possible and knowing that that person is absolutely going to arrive with an item that's sensitive like a passport. 
right before we uh, move on because I do want to talk about the automated cars. Yeah. Let's pause for a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Jean Etienne and Joe Shufo. Hello there, Josh Reed here, producer of Take a Moment. In this episode, we take a deeper dive into the topic of AI ethics to help you find the best ways to address the critical ethical issues that all businesses face today. For more information, be sure to reference the resources highlighted at the bottom of the podcast page on Genesis.com. There, we examine the AI ethics guidelines that Joe and John ATN refer to, as well as the many blogs written by our leadership team here at Genesis. And thanks again for listening to this episode of Take a Moment. Be sure to subscribe and share. Well, before you go to the automated cars, do you think it's also on the business when you talk about accountability, the accountability for the organization to ensure that they're continuously providing development and training for their employees so they don't get stuck in that situation of going, ah, the spot has now taken over my job. I have no other skills. What do I do? It's a good spot because we've talked a lot about it during the AI takes discussions. And when you're, what is Genesis' role? Of course, jobs are going to be affected. Um, the, the thing that we need to mention is that the same way, you know, way when ATM came up, um, you know, bank tailors' jobs did not reduce. It just gave more time for job tailors, uh, bank tailors, to do more stuff, to sell more, uh, and just not give away money uh, at the counter. And the, the number of jobs of bank teller completely exploded because banks opened a lot more accounts and yeah. ATMs all over the all over the U.S. Over the world, basically. Uh, and the same way with automation here, the number of interactions is supposed to grow a lot. Uh, of course, we need less and less agents to do, handle the same number of uh, interactions. But, you know, because the number of interactions is going to grow, while the number of jobs is not going to be reduced, we'll still need those people. They just won't do the same jobs. They just won't do, like, answer, you know, what time it is. Like, really simple, simple, what we call tier one questions. They just yeah. handle more complex, more interesting questions. It should make their jobs a little bit more fulfilling yeah. too, right? Yeah. Rather than just always getting so <laughs> angry. Yeah. If well, you could give one task, what tier one task would you gladly give away to AI, to a bot, to take care of for you? Scheduling. I was going to say that too. What about you guys? Responding to extended family. I'm just that kidding. is hilarious. Responding to every email from you, Nate. Every, yeah. Responding <laughs> every to my mother's message. calls when she says, I love you, Joe. And you just want to shove back. that up to a bot. Still alive. Hello. Still alive. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say driving. You'd like AI to take over that responsibility. And you trust AI to make decisions that are right for you as you're a passenger in your self-driving car. And get you safely to your destination. Yeah. You spend a lot of days in your car. Uh, hours in the day, you could use that time for a lot of things. Uh, and, you know, you could don't have to look at your phone and look at the best GPS. You could take over and look at the traffic for you. I think autonomous is a good thing in the future. All right. Okay. I think there are some scenarios, and John, Dan, that's a great point, where you, if you hand it over to AI and let them have control in a sense, in the sense that it's safer if we're using some sort of automation to promote this, right? Driving you don't run the risk of one person ruining it for everybody because they're checking their cell phone. Again, to pull back into support, one of the issues we had was just governance of the things we were working on. Is 
Someone would write an article that was supposed to be true information and we'd share it widely. We had no real way to give that a thumbs up or thumbs down. And now we're sending it out. We're not promoting better knowledge unless we get together and talk about it. But if we had the ability to use a bot that was helping agents and those agents that are using that information are saying this was helpful, this wasn't. Now we've got this system that is essentially promoting the good stuff, putting the other stuff below the surface so it's not being shown to other agents. So there's certain systems in a workplace and society, I think, that AI is absolutely going to make it safer and easier to improve. So not just focusing on contact center, but how yeah. do you see the positive effects of it in other industries like healthcare and all these other banking, even financial institutions with either the predictive side or just utilizing, simplifying, simplifying tasks. tasks. Yeah. I, I think healthcare is an easy one. Uh, we even think about the situation where uh, how long I've, it's been since I've gone to a doctor, which is bad, but <laughs> the ability to pull in that medical history and make really intelligent decisions on it without missing information, right? It's all there. Uh, I think having prescriptive healthcare that is based around each person is pretty amazing if that's possible with an AI. So going back to the automated car question, um, that's a weird thing for me to grapple with as I look towards the future because I love driving. I'm also a little bit of control freak, so I like being in the driver's seat. I don't like being a passenger. However, when we talk about the unconscious or conscious biases that uh, those creating that AI or that bot have, they might be... Um, circumstantial based on their geographic uh, location. There are some cultures that place um, a higher degree of importance on the individual. Mm. There are some cultures that place a higher degree of importance on the group. So if there's um, one car that has been manufactured, a self-driven car that's been manufactured by a country who uh, prizes the individual over the group, that car might be programmed to protect the rider at all costs. However, across a border in a different country yeah. with, different, um, with different ethical concerns themselves might make the decision in a pinch, in a you know tragedy, to minimize the casualties no matter what. That's a tough thing. It's like you know bioethics all of a sudden. Yeah. And it comes even... down to really, really important questions that are difficult to, to answer. Not even groups, right? But maybe even the age of an individual. Jonathan, you shared this article with me. I think it was an MIT article. And it was, should a car prioritize the baby or the elderly woman crossing the road? The answer changed depending on the country that was being surveyed uh, in terms of who you would save and who you value. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Even, mm -hmm. even now, just hypothetically, I don't want to have to answer that. Uh, but it absolutely is something that could be a situation that could be encountered with autonomous cars. So who polices those sorts of ethics? Like, it's almost like we need, and forgive the expression, but a kind of AI ethic Bible. That's not something that we're likely to have, I assume, anytime soon, um, because every culture has their own concerns, right? So that's a tough call, and it's a really uh, important question that we ask, I think, before we start populating the world with self-driven cars. So, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever have some kind of legislation around it, like worldwide legislation, uh, even though, you know, I might be wrong. And maybe one day we'll decide, well, uh, you know, let's hit that person and not the other. You know, there's a lot of partnerships out there, uh, including, for instance, the partnership on AI, 
um, you know, led by Google, Facebook, and all of the large tech companies in the world that think actively around these questions and provide, you know, guidelines uh, and, you know, uh, recommendations on, you know, how we should act and not act. Um, so those act as a Bible today. Maybe tomorrow is going to be the UN uh, that leads, you know, may need to provide those kind of questions. Today, I think we're not there yet. Uh, this is why I think a lot of companies, uh, such as Genesis, start their own committees to kind of answer, at least in their own perimeter, those kind of, of questions, provide guidelines. But we're still at the stage where we are open to debates, uh, eager to discuss and to make those evolve so that maybe at one point we get to the right legislation or just guidelines. I don't know. Well, going back to that car question, if it does hit someone, where does that accountability go back to? Is it on the company? Is it on the underlying AI? Like, yeah, who's, liable who's liable for that when it comes to something? I mean, that's a, probably a deep question. Yeah. Me. I mean, even just to, to, to avoid the question but answer some of it, I think <laughs> that's definitely something that people are worried about is liability. And does it get entangled with all these parties are at play? The person that made the car, the person that made the uh the machine vision that's operating that car, all these different companies working together to produce one thing, who's actually responsible? And that's tough. I, I don't know if I have an answer to that. And I think we should not be afraid of saying we don't know. I mean, of course not. It's, it's of course. pretty recent. It's yeah. new. It's of new course. technology. We're going to be, you know, adaptive. Uh, I think, you know, most stakeholders are doing a great job at at least raising the issue, raising the question, uh, engaging debates, discussions. So. I think it's going the right way, um, but yeah, no answers to this question yet. It's kind of, we're going to have to go down that road yeah. to figure out yes. what's down there. But I think there's going to be massive legislation when that starts rolling out. Mm -hmm. It's just going to buy necessity. Um, and yeah. it's going to be But daunting. I like it that it, we're already thinking about it, right? That right. we're already thinking about, already talking about it and really posing these hard questions with each other and saying, yeah. you know, how, how can we think about it for the future? And it's kind of a prescient that it, it is that AI is becoming more and more of a topic today when I think hopefully our society is becoming more and more understanding of each other and the world is, um, we have access to more opinions, um, more cultures, <laughs> yeah. more belief systems, and we care. I think by and large as a people, there are certainly exceptions, but by and large as a human race, I think we care more about each other than maybe we did before. And so I think it's good, at least I'd like to think so. Um, so I think it's good that that sort of social awareness is coming yeah. along the same times as a technological revolution. Um, I think that's good. And I hope yeah. it continues to be good. What gets you excited about the future for AI? I think when I start to look at what gets me excited, just even personally, is the ability to let things get out of the way that would stop us from communicating with each other, right? And that could be as simple as, I'm driving and I drive an hour commute each way, but now that's something that I'm not worried about. So I could make a video call to a friend and talk with them. Something as little as that, if you can take it off the plate and allow people just to communicate more, that's exciting. And I know that's a bit short-sighted, but I think with AI, one of the things I've realized is it is advancing so rapidly that predictions we would have made a little bit ago are now not only real, but we're either past that or we were wrong entirely. So I think at the, at the core of it, I just want it to be easier for people to get a hold of each other. I think there's a lot of ways that we can do that. I think I'd go, I kind of stay on that, on that question of getting more free time. 
uh, more just, of course, to engage more personally with people. Um, but just free time in general, like I'll think of the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis that we're, we're not even, we don't even think about it when we do them. Think about the time you would have if you, know, you didn't have to do those things. I mean, the huge amount of things you could do, sport, exercise, culture, um, society, everything's going to change uh, if you think about you know, the power of what AI can automate, let's say. So yeah, I think that gets us exciting. You had a great question earlier, Mari, and mm. I don't know if we got to it. Um, outside of the realm of sort of our space, the technological space, um, how do you see AI impacting areas like we talked about banking a little bit, but like maybe something like healthcare or other industries? Or even something as simple as like a fast food, right? Like so McDonald's yeah. earlier yes. this year, they acquired an AI company to slowly start being able to serve up some meals that are more data-driven. And the whole concept was it'll be easier if it's hot or something, It'll the menu will pop up McFlurries or whatever. But then the other implication is, what about the workers too? Yeah. So all these different questions that come up with that, but different industries using it in different ways. So for McDonald's, uh, it's a good one because uh, if you think about that, um, you get, you know, from a consumer point of view, you can expect, you know, walking to McDonald's and, you know, you know, th- your menu is already here. Like the, the order is, mm. you know, they mm. know what you want. Um, and not only because you always take the same thing, but also they know what would make you happier if you take something different. So that's something. Like your preferences. But if you look at the worker side, how, think about how much time that would, you know, make them win, earn or in, earn during the day. If, you know, they could plan ahead you know, how much, you know, work they need to prepare such and such meal. Um, that's a good application of AI. And with that, I'm uh, to kind of go on a little bit of a loop here. But if you look at like lynda.com or LinkedIn Learning now, mm-hmm. they've got way too many courses. If, right. if they just laid out all the courses, I would never go on there again because I'd be overwhelmed. What they do well is curating those courses to me. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, I can achieve something. So to bring that to McDonald's, as someone who probably spends way too much money at McDonald's, I don't know what's on the whole menu. But if they know my purchase history, they can start curating other things I might be interested in. Uh, As my wife would describe it, I am into that terrible keto diet, which means that I eat burgers without bread. Um, So if I've got to click through all these things at McDonald's, I know this sounds lazy, but it is nice to think that it could at least be reflective of what I'm looking for at that time. Well, I do get a little menu paralysis when it's like yeah. way too much. I like the more simplified, simplified. you know, here are your five entree choices versus yeah. here's your whole novel full of <laughs> entrees. The the cheesecake factory. Yes, like, exactly. War and peace. How is Genesis positioning itself as a leader in this space? So at least from my end, I think there's there's a few ways. One of those is is getting out there and having this discussion. It's important because we've got people with the expertise. We have business consulting teams, software engineers that are working on this. And they've got their concepts that they've learned from their experience, but they're also out there engaging with customers to evolve that opinion. So being a leader in this space is sometimes just about being educated and listening so that you can reflect this in the product you offer and the services that you recommend. And that's something I'd say we do quite well, at least from the external side. Uh, I think you're right, Joe. It's a good thing because um, I feel Genesis is very well positioned to be engaging with you know partners, uh, customers, uh, and you know one of the good illustration of that is we partner with the best company that 
also are the best at AI. Um, mentioning Google, but you know, we have a lot of things, a lot of AI partners that we work with that are great. Um, and being, you know, working with those worldwide recognized leaders in AI is also a way to say that, you know, we are the leaders in our industry. Uh, we build their own AI, we partner with the best AI, uh, and we are engaged in that, you know, best in class uh, AI, AI ecosystem. So a company has decided AI is right for them. What is one or two important things that they need to think about? And how do they start down that path? I think on my end, this is not a light switch. You don't just turn it on and suddenly light is flooding your business. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's done. Uh, it is a concerted effort. It is a competency as a company. And so what I always think about is how can you get started? So what projects could you take on now that would be foundational to build on to the next project? That might just be as simple as providing a front-end chatbot that does identity and verification, if you look at a, a contact center realm. Um, it might just be as simple as looking at the search history if you're a retail and starting to, to see where those paths are most frequently traveled so that you can recommend products that follow along with that. But I think what's important is understanding that this is an effort that takes some time, it has a lot of benefit over time, but you've got to start small and build. And so understanding that it is something that you build on top of. I think it's a good thing to start thinking about the use cases that you can apply AI to. But I think really fast, you need to go down to what data you have, what data you have available. You don't predict anything if you don't have data. <laughs> um, so obviously, quantity of data is one thing, but the quality of data is something that we should not neglect. Uh, it's you know, as a lot of engineers are going to say, garbage in, garbage out. Um, the quality of the data is going to, you know, give you the ability or not to predict anything or to use AI uh, in your domain. Uh, and that's really one thing, you know, you want to make sure of having the right data. Before we go, we like to always play a game. Oh, yeah. Yes. Go for it, Mari. Would you rather? Ooh. Oh. Would you rather live without technology? or live without humans, since it is a tech episode. <laughs> I spent a lot of time playing Warcraft as a child. Um, you know, I'm going to go with humans, I think. So we, I'm not we, super confident. You want to live without <laughs> humans or without technology? Uh, I, even as you asked me the question again, I'm still not sure of my answer. I'm going I'm to say without technology because... Uh, that feels right. <laughs> There's a little bit to me that goes, Because your wife I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'll stick with for today. Yeah, yeah. And that extended family that you wish that you could Yeah, that I'm trying to automate. Yeah. 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 yeah, We know where Joe's <laughs> Jay. Um, I'll go along, Joe. I think we could live. I prefer you know, living without technology. Yeah. I think technology is good for us to get rid of technology, you know, to forget technology. So and spend more time with you. I just imagine the world would be like Lord of the Rings, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. Fascinating. Okay, well, we're judging you both because <laughs> you know, our listeners weren't able to have uh, the the sight of Joe's eyes, even as he said, <laughs> I'd rather live without technology. There was a glimmer in there that we, we didn't like really know if he was saying. Yeah, he was like, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I'm going to say it because it sounds right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Guys, thank you very much for taking a moment with us. You're incredible. Uh, and we will certainly have more episodes about AI and AI ethics to come, but starting us off very strongly, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much.